0: Welcome to the Short Stay podcast for property owners, managers and investors worldwide. I'm Elaine Watt from Holiday Let Success, a Short Stay show ambassador. I'll be sharing with you business success stories, top tools and resources and interviews with industry experts. Are you ready? Here we go. Hello and welcome to the show. Now I'm excited to welcome Mark Simpson to the show today. Now Mark joins me from Boostly which is the marketing agency for the hospitality industry where he is the founder. Now with 20 years in the hospitality industry and a mind for marketing and online tech, Mark has built up a wealth of knowledge on how to get your short stay to stand out from the crowd and take control of your own marketing as an accommodation provider. Welcome to the show Mark. How's things with you?
1: Yeah, really good. Thank you. I'm speaking to you uh, from Spain. Uh, So it's uh, nice to be not in the the freezing cold of of England, as everybody keeps telling me and my mum sends me daily weather updates from the UK uh, to say how bad the weather is at present.
0: It is super, super chilly. We are recording this at the beginning of December. And I had just said before we started recording to Mark, oh my goodness, it's freezing out here. And uh, I was feeling slightly jealous of his slightly warmer position over in Spain. (laughs) (laughs) But there we are. So let's start off with a few quick fire round questions. Tell us a bit about you and your background and how you got started in this industry.
1: So I was pretty much born into hospitality. Uh, I grew up in a, a small, uh, seaside town called Scarborough in, in the UK and Scarborough is, is pretty famous for its uh, tourism. Um, a couple of years back, I think there was a report that came out saying after London, it was the second most visited area of the UK, that, that, so not North Yorkshire coast. So, you know, it's, there's so many, um, tourism destinations in and around Scarborough and my parents, um, back in 1980s, what they decided to do was turn a, a old Yorkshire farm into a, a small bed and breakfast. So they converted a barn into a, a full bed and breakfast, a lit, little guest house. And it, it was before the whole farm stay movement got really popular. And it, it it really grew. And, you know, people were coming from all over the UK. People were finding out about it from sort of the advertising they were doing uh, back in the 1980s and the early nineties. And uh, it got so popular that they started to slow down on parts of the farming and focus more on the hospitality side. So they uh, turned another barn uh, and they uh, converted that into 10 more bedrooms, uh, which became, you know, a 14 bedroom guest house. They then added on a a tea rooms. And I I grew up in this, this whole time um, sort of seeing people come and go, um, you know, eventually then starting to work doing breakfast doing evening meal doing tea room shifts and then and then what I um, started to do then as I got into my teens just like everybody wanted to do in my friend group is they wanted to get out of Scarborough. Scarborough is an amazing place to grow up but it's very much a bubble and uh, I then sort of started to fall into to soccer coaching and I got an amazing opportunity after getting my badges to go out to America to coach. So from the age of sort of 19 to the age of 26, I would be coming backwards and forwards from America, uh, traveling all over uh, and, you know, getting a real good experience of, of traveling, uh, working, doing the thing that I love, and then always coming back to the UK. And, and again, you know, when I was back in the UK, staying on the farm and sort of helping out where, where I could do. Um, 2006, uh, my buddy got out of university and he asked if I wanted to, to go with him. So we started backpacking around Asia, Australasia, and whilst I was doing that, whilst we we're doing our year visa in Australia, I naturally fell into hospitality okay. jobs, bar jobs, um, you name it, ho- working in hotels or on, on, on whatever, I sort of just fell into, fell into that. So I've always been in, in and around it, but during my little stay in Sydney, I actually fell into a, a, a sales job. Um, and it was during that time that I got this sort of experience with sales and marketing. 2009, we came back to the UK and me and my buddy moved down to London because after being in, you know, Sydney and you know, LA and all these other places, Scarborough a little bit too small. Moved down to London and that's where I um, landed another sales and marketing role working for Yelp. And it was during that time that I really got a hold of social media, the review websites, you know, uh, TripAdvisor and, and all these other big OTAs and big websites were just sort of coming onto my radar. And then in 2012, uh, me and my then, my, my now wife, we had our eldest child and we wanted to be back in this more slower environment. And by that time, my parents had had their business for coming up to nearly 20, 25 years. And they were wanting to have one of me or my siblings come in the business to, to help take it over, help run it. and during those twenty-five years, it had been really successful, but there's never been any real online presence. There was no website as such. There was no social media. They were just getting started with free-to-book, uh, big PMS software, and they were tempted to go onto things like Booking.com just to get more exposure. We came in, and I just put my um, the skills that I'd learned from marketing, from from being in London and Sydney and whatnot, into the farm, and it worked. Like really well, we got top three on TripAdvisor. We managed to um, increase loads of web bookings without having to over rely on the OTAs. And um, it got to two thousand sixteen, and there became a time where I was starting to go to local tourism meetings in the Scarborough area. And this is how I sort of started to shift from from working um, in the family business to now running Boostly. Was because going to those meetings, I realised that there was a, a big need for somebody to help other hospitality owners whether it's a guest house or a rental property show people how not to rely on the otas to get bookings people were frustrated with the amount of commission they were paying they were frustrated that they couldn't get their own bookings that weren't repeat and i was just just without knowing it just giving little helps and advice at these at these meetings and it was basically for a point of frustration i was frustrated at the local tourism board. Because they weren't creating an online resource, an online resource that could give help to people, um, you know, where we didn't have to rely on meeting up once a quarter. So I started up the hospitality community Facebook group uh, just for Scarborough and Whitby people. And I just started to post out little hints and tips in there, tips on Facebook, tips on Twitter, it was tips on Google, loads of little tips. But I think that the main reason why it became successful, the hospitality community, was because there was a sense of an online Online community where you could just sort of let people know if there was a, um, a troublesome guest coming around the area or if there's any scam calls coming in. And just like anything that works online, like that word of mouth really spreads. And people from York started to um, request to join, people from Scotland, people from down south in the UK. And then people from France and Germany and Ireland and Bali and all these locations around the world, people were knocking on the door saying, hey, we want to come in, we've heard good things about it from the members that are in there. And after 18 months of doing that, giving advice for free, loads of people were asking me questions. And it was just one of those light bulb moments. It was like, well, how how can I turn this in from being something that I can do just in a Facebook group to being something that I can grow to helping loads of people? Uh, at once. And I was doing a couple of one-on-one contracts at the time, all based in Scarborough and Whitby, um, which was great, but it was a a lot of work and I could only help four people at a time. And I've set some pretty ambitious goals over the next 20 years on on what I want to achieve in doing all of this. And if I just stayed doing the one-on-one model, I could never achieve them. So I flipped it uh, from a one-to-one to a one-to-many and that's when Boostly came about and that's when the Boostly Academy came about and, and that's where we are now coming into 2020 where there's now 345 members to date in the Boostly Academy which is an online training portal, uh, group accountability, group training and uh, yeah it's, there's so many other little offshoots that have just, just stemmed from it which which has been fantastic.
0: Amazing. So it started from the ground up and throughout all of that experience in the industry, I'm guessing you came across some pretty good pieces of advice. So what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given?
1: This piece of advice, and it's it's a great question. It's one that I always... Pass on myself to other people now. It was uh, bizarrely enough, Howard Wilkinson, uh, ex-lead boss, um, you know, big big soccer guy. Um, he said it at one of the training days that uh, we were at way back when, and it was failing to prepare is preparing to fail, and it's something that's always stuck with me. Um, and it doesn't matter. I mean, I read a lot of books. Uh, I love business books. I love listening to podcasts, watching YouTube videos, because I'm always trying to learn. But it doesn't matter whatever I learn, I always come back to that because it can be applied to so many parts of your life.
0: So that is a really, really good piece of advice. And all that traveling, what would now, based on everywhere that you've already seen, be your dream destination?
1: See, I knew this question was coming because I've listened to a lot of these podcasts. And... I've been thinking about this and you can go stereotypical and you can go, you know, Bali or something like that. But when I really like a destination and seeing that a lot of my life is, is evolved with being online and being digital, I actually love going to the places where you can switch off, leave your phone off, go in airplane mode or even get no reception at all. So my sort of dream destinations are ones where you can fully switch off. So there's a place called Neverwasdale in the Lake District. Don't get any reception, phone reception. Try your best. They, they've they just had Wi-Fi put in. It's a tiny little village. Uh, we used to go with, with our friends a lot. We we I love that. Second one is Centre Parks. I, I love Centre Parks. It's one of those places that just does everything really well. And again, you can just park your car up, unload, drop your car up, and then you're just sort of in this bubble of, uh, of just adventure just for like three days, four days, five days, however, however long you go. And again, it's just one of those places you can just switch your phone off and just escape, escape the online world.
0: Great advice. That Yeah, I have to agree with the uh, Centre parks thing, especially with the family. Mm-hmm. Everybody's entertained. You just can't yeah. go wrong. Great advice. Yeah. As well as the done-for-you services like Centre Park's, You must have stayed in lots of different short-stay properties yourself. What's the best place you've ever stayed in and why?
1: So I did say at the start, dream dream destinations. I wouldn't go for somewhere stereotypical like Bali, but this actual property is in Bali. And for the first four months of 2019, um, me and my family flew out to stay and work there uh, for, for four months. And it's a place called the Sahaja Sour Resort in Bali. And I've not only stayed there, we went We went and stayed there in 2017, kept in touch, went back to work there for four months at the start of this year. But I've recommended people to go. It's one of those truly unique experiences. For anybody that has been to Bali, you will go to the stereotypical places like Sanua, uh Shangu, you know, you go to those big touristy destinations. But the Sahaja Sawa is an hour and a half drive to the west of that. It's past Tanalot, it's past all of those. It's in the middle of nowhere. You literally are staying with locals. Um, the, the people who run it have got a, a foundation, they've got a charity, and they put a lot of the money, all of their profits that they make goes back into the local villages and the local surrounding people and areas. And when you go, you arrive as guests. But it's very corny when I say this, but you do leave as friends. And... I've been thinking about, again, I knew this question was coming because I listened to the podcast, but I just think time and time again, there's loads of places that can come to mind, that I could say, but there's the one that is our favorite. And again, that, that truly is so our Sahaja Sour Resort in Bali.
0: I am definitely going to look that up. So I, I hope you can spell that for me towards the end of the, the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll make sure it's linked up in the show notes because yeah, no, yeah. I'm not starting that, but it sounds fantastic. Thank you. And you mentioned you're a big reader, a big business book reader as well. So what what would you say your favorite business book is?
1: Uh, I don't even have to think about this one. Uh, Jay Bear uh, Talk Triggers. Um, Um, For anybody in hospitality, for anybody who um, wants to grow their business without having to spend a lot of money on ads, then this is the best book that you can read. Uh, I say read, but I got it on Audible. uh, So you can actually listen to this. And yeah, it's, it's one of them. If you're in hospitality, you'll learn all about the Hilton double chocolate cookie and, and how that's become an Instagram phenomenon. Uh, plus as well, so much other little tactics and tips in there. Uh, real good one. Uh, and another one is uh, Will It Can Fly? Just come off the top of my head. Will It, will it Fly by uh, Pat Flynn. His book alongside uh, a lot of Tim Ferriss books, Tools of Titans, that are, are what gave me the inspiration to get Boostly going. The Will It Fly by Pat Flynn actually gives you um, Google Sheets that you can actually work off to test out your theory on if an idea is going to work or not, which is the basis of what I did with Boostly. So, yeah, those free.
0: Great advice. Brilliant books. Thanks for sharing those. And I love the Audible tip as well. Uh, like you, I'm a bit of a podcast addict, so... Anything audible-based, especially if I can change a book into an audio, that definitely works really well for me. So we touched on how your company, Boostly, came about. How did you come up with the the name, the theme?
1: Well, um, I actually... Give all the credit to this to my wife, Laura. Uh, we went away for a few days um, on a break from from the farm. Uh, my parents looked after the boys, and we just had a couple of nights away uh, somewhere near Northumberland. And whilst we were away, I, I was sort of telling her about the idea and what it would be. This is, this is probably late 2016 early 2017, something like that. And she was the one who came up with the, the name and also the colouring. So the colouring that you see now, the orange and the, and the blue, that is her all her ideas, uh, which she can have full credit of. Boostly is actually short for Boost Hospitality. So um, when I do my, my podcast, I actually call it the Boost Hospitality Podcast because it rolls off the, the tongue better. But I call it Boostly because it's just Boost and Hospitality for short. A lot of people got it confused when I first started to say it because of my Yorkshire accent I, thought I was saying Bruce Lee. But, um, but no, it's actually Bruce Lee.
0: <laughs> That's really funny. I can't hear your accent anymore now that I've spoken to you a few times. Yeah, it's uh,
1: I, I am a bit nice of a accent. chameleon for accents. So uh, wherever, whoever I'm speaking to or wherever I am in the world, I do sort of try and like, I do clone the accent. The worst is when I'm speaking to somebody from Liverpool, I do sort of come across as a bit of a wool. I do sort of do get <laughs> their accent, which I shudder every time I do it.
0: Well, I think you must have. Have you ever done your Myers-Briggs personality type test? Uh, I haven't, but I will. Or the the Clifton Strengths Finder. Clifton Strengths Finder. There's one really it's just breaks you down into the type of person that you are. And that's one of the traits that you just mentioned, really mirroring and finding empathy and... Uh, really working well with somebody is mirroring them it's finding a, a really good way to communicate and that's one of the strengths that comes out in the strengths finders book and it's one of my strengths as well although I'm rubbish at accents so I can't do it the way that you do
1: <laughs> but yeah will, you should definitely uh, look those up yeah most I
0: definitely I was going to ask you where you are based and I guess I'm asking that because I mean, we talked now, we're speaking, you're, you're over in Spain at the moment, but I guess the where, where are you based question is, where, where's the home of Boostly or are you a bit of a, a nomad permanently?
1: Yeah, I mean, the business uh, as in the limited company is based in the UK, but as far as where is it based, it is a worldwide company. Um, when we first came up with the idea and say we, the wife, and I came up with this sort of idea. It was based around what we wanted to do in our our life. Having the hospitality business, having the B&B, running it with the family was great, but we always felt like we were uh, chained to it, as in, you know, you you can't just get up and travel, which is what we like doing. Um, I think you can tell from my intro, I like to travel both my wife likes to travel. She was born in South Africa. She uh, lived in Saudi. She was a dive instructor in Egypt for two years. She did a ski season in France, traveled like Thailand and Australia. And this is all before we met. Uh, and after we met, we kept on traveling and having adventures. So when we sort of came up with the idea, it was, it was to be that eventually that it would be able to, a business would be just a laptop and a phone. And as long as we've got wifi, we could do it anywhere in the world. And We've proved that you know we, uh, when we went traveling around Thailand and India and, and, and Bali back in 2017. We did it this year when we went out to Bali for four months or we in Bulgaria for two months. We did it then and now we're in Spain um, and it's not going to be the end. You know, there's, there's the, the, the cool thing about doing a job like this and growing at the rate that it is, is that opportunities come up all the time and who knows where we'll be this time next year. But right now, up until July at least, we are in, in Spain.
0: Got it. Okay. So you have built a business that just fits perfectly into your lifestyle. That's really exciting and something that other people can do. But let's draw on some of your experience so far for for listeners. And can we first of all talk about the importance of really adding your own marketing into your short stay business? So outside of the listing sites, you touched on uh, not wanting to become Completely reliant on the listing sites. So, for people that maybe are only advertising on the, the listing sites, the booking.coms, the Airbnbs, let's have a talk about how important it is for short stay providers to really start with their own marketing and just do a little bit more than just list on the OTAs, the online travel agents.
1: Yeah. Um, so, in 2020, my main goal with everybody that's going to come into my world is to, but there's two types as reactive and proactive. And I feel that the problem with the hospitality industry is that too many people are stuck in the reactive mode. And what I mean by reactive, I mean that they just sit and wait for their email to ping to say that a booking has come in. Well, they'll be listed on the OTAs. They maybe even have their own website. They maybe even have their own social media channel, but they're not doing enough to be what's classed as proactive. Um, and I can break down proactive if, if you want me to. But that's, that's where the main problem I see stemming from. And, and I base this off not just me thinking this. Uh, what I do in part of the hospitality community is I offer out free marketing reviews. Uh, it's a, a bit of a fun thing that I do every Friday in the hospitality community group. I put a post out and ask who wants a marketing review. We then get all the names, you know, we get about 100 people that put the name down. And then I do, uh, I do this thing called Wheel Decide. So I get a big wheel, put all the names onto a wheel, we spin it, we pluck out one and they get to win a, a marketing review. And what I do, the, the, the stipulation is if you're gonna take part, then you, you are willing for me to do a marketing review live in front of 3,000 other people, um, which is a really good tactic and technique because when I'm doing the marketing review live, I guarantee that there'll be somebody else watching that is going through the same struggle or problem. And I've been doing this for about two to three years now. And I would say that 80% of the time, the reason why things aren't where they want to be, because I ask a lot of questions and one of the questions is where you are now, how much money are you spending on commission costs? What's your, what's your occupation rate? And where do you want to be in six months time? Do you want to spend less on commission? Want to get more direct bookings? So then I ask, well, what are you actually doing? And a lot of the times, specifically when it comes around emailing, people are saying, I don't do anything. So that's one of the first things that goes off in my mind when it comes to their uh, website. It is a case of when was the last time your website was redesigned? How, long, how often are you keeping on top of it? How, how often are you doing things like blogging or writing content? And again, it it's really is a low because people have fallen into that reactive mode. So when I say about doing things marketing-wise, we're not just relying on, on the OTAs. Is The big thing, the most important thing is to start emailing start growing your email list and start doing practical things that you can grow your email list. Um, one of the best ways of doing so, on your website, have a, a section, a little pop-up, where it comes up and just say, if you would like the top five to 10 um, destinations or places to go visit recommended by us in your area, click on this link and it goes through to one of the, the email providers that you can sign up with. There's a company called MailChimp, M at It's free to use, free to get set up. You can have everything that you need to be GDPR compliant, which is what so many people are scared of nowadays, but it's, it's so simple to get set up and be compliant now, thanks to companies like MailChimp. You can have a sign-up form, and from there, you can get people to opt in to get your emails, and in return, you will give them a, a little PDF or a little guide on your favorite things to do in your local area and i see so many people now starting to do this and because they're growing their email list and the the reasons why it's so important is that when you get someone on your email list you're getting them off of the slow lane as i like to call it and getting them into the fast lane so the slow lane is when somebody maybe sees your facebook post or the slow lane is when somebody maybe comes onto your website but doesn't book Um, You want to get them into the fast lane because when you get, when somebody gives you permission to send them an email, specifically now in this post GDPR world, then they are giving you permission to send them an email. And when you get, get an email as long as you construct it correctly, which is what I show everybody in the Boostly Academy on how to construct an email so it actually gets open and read and interacted with, it is the most powerful form of marketing that there is. And the beauty of it is, is it can take just five to 15 minutes a month to do. So it's not like you have to be behind a computer every single day doing these sort of things. I'm a massive component of stepping away from the online world, as I said earlier. All I'm asking is five, 15 to 20 minutes a month to construct an email to put together to send to somebody and you keep in touch and you do that once a month and you'll be amazed at how much that will just turn the needle from you getting OTA bookings to direct bookings
0: really really good advice and and as you say it doesn't have to be a massive investment of time so that would you say that is the most important first step for people who are literally just thinking, hang on, I need to do something other than just be controlled purely in that reactive mode by the OTAs? Is that the best first step that you would suggest people do?
1: Yeah, because it's free um, with with marketing, with like social media with Facebook, with, with Google, with Twitter, with LinkedIn, with everything, the natural reach. So when you put a post out for, on Facebook for an hour, for example, now, you're only going to be visible to 1% of your audience because Facebook are actively strangling the reach that a, a free post from a business page will get you on Facebook because they want all of the businesses to give them money because at the end of the day, Facebook is a business. It's got shareholders to account to. So the actual business reach is down to 1%. It might even go to 0%, which means when you hit the post on Facebook button, if, you aren't paying the money, none of your followers are going to see it, which is, which is crazy. And But that's just the way of the world that it's going. Cost to advertise on Facebook and Google and everything is going up. One thing that isn't changing is email and it will be free. So when you're starting up and if you are literally at the point where you've listed the businesses on booking.com and Airbnb, start getting email addresses. You can even start getting the email addresses of the people that are booking with you on booking.com. If you go to uh, Google and just type in on a Google search, Boostly YouTube, how to get booking.com guest email address, just type in that in Google, a YouTube video will come up. It'll have a picture of me flying over booking.com and click on that video and watch it. It's a free video. It shows everybody how to get your Guests' real email address once they've booked with you on booking.com. Because as everybody knows, when booking.com sends you uh, that confirmation, the guest email address is hidden. It's a master one. It'll be mark.simpsonguest at booking.com. So by doing that method, by following that, that free video that I'm going to show you on the YouTube channel, it will show you how to then get their real email address. Because then what you can do on the back of it, send them the get a permission get them on your email list and you can start sending them emails as well. And and again, a lot of people get bogged down with emails because they don't know what to write. It's all about constructing the email the right way. And again, Boostly Academy members, they get all of that included. They get free email templates where they can just copy, paste and send. And I think the, the most important thing to take away from email marketing is don't just send one and then wait for 12 months. Uh, like um, Elaine said, we're recording this in December. We've just literally finished Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Otherwise, I like to call it the time when I unsubscribe from all the crap that gets sent into my inbox. Same. Because <laughs> the problem is, is that what scummy marketing companies do is that they wait until that weekend to send you an email. And that is when people get annoyed. But if you do it once a month and you keep on top of mind and you keep Consistently sending them emails, they're going to get open and engaged in. People don't mind you sending a, a sales email, but as long as you've taken the time to keep in contact with them, treat them like a pen pal. But the beauty of Mailchimp is that you can send one to many instead of emailing every single person individually. And it doesn't matter if you've got five email addresses or if you've got ten thousand email addresses. You can still keep a consistent um, action and uh, monthly, like sort of accountability with, with email. And again, it's free to do.
0: Really great advice. So just to recap, for somebody who's very new to marketing outside of the OTAs, with a very small marketing budget and and little experience, that's one very simple win that they can take away 15 to 20 minutes every month spent making sure they're sending one email to many. And just to recap as well, where can they find the video that you mentioned? It's Boostly.com.
1: Oh, well, if you just go to a Google search and just type in Boostly YouTube and all in the same sentence, just put in um, how to get guests real email address. Um, if you put that, those three things in, into a Google search, you'll be able to find it or just head to the Boostly YouTube channel. Just go type in Boostly and YouTube It's one of the most watched videos on there. Whilst you're there, go and subscribe because I'm getting close to a thousand subscribers, uh, which would be nice.
0: Brilliant. Great stuff. Thank you for for that recap. All right. And whilst we did touch on social media, and as as you mentioned, Facebook's changed its algorithm. So it is becoming very much a pay to play platform when it comes to advertising. There's also lots of other social media platforms out there. And I know you're very big proponent of Instagram so what would you say is the best social media platform for owners to concentrate on moving forwards into 2020 and beyond
1: so this is going to sound like I'm I'm sitting on, on the fence here with this answer my personal favorite is Instagram but what you have to do with your social media is go onto the platform that a you like using personally, because if you don't like the platform, you don't get it, you're never going to use it. But B, go to where your guests are, go to where your audience is. And what I mean by that is, look at where the your customer advertise, what I like to call it. So look at all the guests that have stayed with you in the past, break them down. And you've got to come up with A, who your ideal guest is, but B, where do you find that the majority of your guests staying with you are? So you've got to do a bit of a Sort of a reverse engineering here, and just figure out who your ideal guest is. Figure out your customer avatar. Now, an easy way of me breaking this down would be is that if you are appealing to the corporate, the business guests and you want to attract more corporate guests, and a lot of your guests are corporate, then LinkedIn is your world, because that's where they all hang out now. There's a lot of people on LinkedIn who don't even use Facebook, for example, or maybe just be a slight interest in Instagram, but they spend a lot of their time on LinkedIn. So that is where I personally would be. If your target audience is the millennials, or even the Gen Z, millennials is anywhere between sort of 25 to 40, Gen Z is below that then you're sort of looking at instagram because again facebook for a lot of people specifically for people in and around the 25 and below age group is that they don't go onto facebook because their parents or their aunties and uncles are on facebook and they don't want to get stalked by them on there so they use instagram or tiktok which is just another kettle of fish so my advice would be this number one pick a channel that you like using number two focus on where the majority of your guests are. My main bit of advice is don't try and be everywhere. Cause if you try and be everywhere, you're nothing. Just get really, really, really good at one. Or if you've got money and you've got budget, hire an agency or somebody else to take care of it, take care of it for you.
0: Really good advice. And we can find out a little bit more about Mark's favorite platform when he speaks on stage at the Short Stay Show, which is coming up in March 2020. If we are past that date, you can head to Mark's website at boostly.com, where you'll be able to get in touch with him. And I'm sure he'd be very, very happy to share some of what he talked about at the show there. It's a great speech and lots of Packed information that I learned so much because I'm terrible at Instagram, currently terrible, not got it yet. Mark's advice though, exactly, getting Getting better better after Mark's instruction. He's a superstar, so i definitely say make sure you're in the room, first of all, at the London 2020 Short Stay Show. And failing that, if you do catch this podcast after that date, make sure you head to boostly.com where you can get in touch with Mark. So we've had a quick look at how people new to marketing their own place can get started, we've covered social media. Is there something in particular that you can share with people that's a guiding philosophy or principle for people in the industry who are starting to market, they've just got going, well really wherever they are in their journey as a hospitality provider, what's your guiding philosophy?
1: My advice would be to anybody that is getting started, who's maybe listening to these podcasts, doing a bit of research, is 80% of something live is better than 100% of nothing. What I mean by that, and again, Mark Zuckerberg speaks about this a lot, if you've ever listened to Mark Zuckerberg talk, is that his main thing to his developers and everybody at Facebook is just get it live. Once it's live, you can work on it and you can improve it procrastination is the biggest business killer that's out there because people come up with an idea. They think about starting a business. They think about doing a side hustle or something like that, but they they try and procrastinate to the point where they just don't do it. So my advice, you know, just do it. Whatever you're thinking of doing, however you're thinking of getting started, don't overstress the company name, don't overstress the branding, don't overstress your website, don't overstress your marketing, don't overstress the the cushions that you're going to use. Just do it. Just buy it, just do it, and you can improve once it's live because the best feedback you can get is from your guests and your customers. And, you know, bad reviews hurt. One out of ten bad reviews, just brush it off. If you get seven out of ten reviews, bad reviews talk about the same thing, fix it. Simple. That's how this this world works. But my advice would be just do it.
0: Really good advice. And we have talked about your basis in Instagram, how you absolutely love that, and how you are supporting individual owners moving forwards. And you have started something really pretty cool. I'm quite excited to find out a little bit more about, and that's the book direct map. What is it and how does it help individual owners get more direct bookings?
1: Uh, So, uh, as I've said before, I've got a group called the the Hospitality Community, and over the last few years, pretty much on a monthly basis, I would get at least one message saying, Mark, why don't you start up a listing site um, uh, to sort of make people move away from the OTAs and book directly? For years, I've just said no, purely because, not that um, I was being ignorant, it's just that I was so focused on getting uh, the Boostly Brand up and running. I wanted to make sure that my training was on point. Um, I wanted to build the academy. I wanted to make sure that the information that I was given and the relationships that I was building in the industry just meant that that could all grow. I didn't want any distractions. This year, that message and that thing has just always kept coming at me and a more frequent braces to the point where I had to stand up and sort of just take notice of it and then put an idea together. And what I've noticed in the trend. In bookings, specifically on the big OTAs, is that when somebody puts a search in, so they'll go on, they'll type in, say, London as an example, on, and let's just say they've gone on Airbnb, they'll type in London or they'll type in an area of London, say Camden or Balham or something like this. They'll zoom, the search will come up, and before they go anywhere else, before they filter it down by price, before they filter it down by features or amenities, what they do is they click on the map. And they click on the map because they want to find a place that is near to either A, where they're going to be for work, an event, or a conference, or they just want to make sure that they're in the right location. And this has sort of stuck with me the more that I've seen this as a as a trend. And, and what I wanted to do is I wanted to create a listing site like no other. And what we're able to do is we've been able to create this, this website called The Book direct map book map.com if you want to go check it out and when a user goes on there all they got to do is they type in where they're looking to stay i.e london scarborough javier in spain where i am right now alicante bali wherever you type it in and it zooms into the area and if you're a member of the book direct map then your property has a bright colored pin and the, and the color of the pin is dependent on your category. So if you're a farm state property, self-catering, if you're a hotel or a guest house, then your color pin will be on there. Somebody can move it depending on where they want to be or where they want to be not located near to. They click on the pin and then that pin will just expand and it will be, it's super simple. It tells them the name, the website, It tells them the phone number, the address, and it gives them the book direct benefits. So the benefits of booking direct at that property. So the big thing to be a part of the book direct map is that you've got to have clear Distinct benefits to the guest for booking directly with you instead of going to the OTAs. So, the most common ones, and we're always adding to it, but the most common ones are best rates, early check in, late check out. I know that um, we've had Henry from your welcome tablet on, on here talking about late checkouts. Uh, this is really popular. Um, you know, welcome baskets, loads of little things like vouchers and whatnot. So, that is the main idea there's no fancy algorithms it doesn't matter how much you pay the book direct map you don't mean you're going to be ranking higher than the rest it's literally is location based and it's super simplistic you get a listing on that the other aspects of it is that um number two one of the reasons why you would join is be is that I'm the only listing site in the world that gives you educational training videos for being on there. So as well as me doing the marketing, and me taking on board my fancy marketing tactics and tips, that I'm going to apply to get the book direct map in front of people that me and my team are going to do. You also get the training as well, which shows you what you need to do to increase your direct bookings. And there's tips on everything in there from Facebook to Instagram, to LinkedIn, to Google and everything. So it's the only listing site in the world that does that. And then the third side is that there's a, There's a really cool referral program. So when you're on the Book Direct Map and you tell a friend of yours or a Facebook group that you're a part of or a colleague or whoever about the Book Direct Map, and if they sign up on the back of your referral every month, you get 20% back off your listing cost. So it could be if you sign up 10 to 20 people, then you get a free place for life just by talking about the book, Direct Map. So it's word of mouth that is gonna spread this. It's the training videos that are gonna provide the support and it's gonna be the marketing from our end, what we're gonna do, the fancy techniques that we've got lined up, that's gonna get people more aware of it. So by these three things combined, you know, I think it's, it's a, it's a listing site with a difference. Uh, at the present moment in time, it's six pounds and 99 pence a month to join. And I say this present moment in time because every hundred people that join, the price goes up a pound a month. So as soon as it gets to uh, 300 members, and when we're about 60 people away from that, then it will go to seven ninety nine a month and it will just keep going up and, and up. So what I'm saying is, is if you're an early adopter, we've had people join as little as four ninety nine a month. If you're an early adopter, then that is all you will pay for, for life. Uh, and you can go to uk forward slash book direct map to join if you want to go check out the map yourself go to book direct map.com
0: uh, amazing i absolutely love what you've done with that it sounds fantastic and i will definitely be making sure that i share that wherever possible and i'm very excited to release this podcast so that listeners who may not have come across you or what you've done there with the book direct map can find out a little bit more and can get involved. So, yes, listeners, please get involved and most importantly share it. It won't just benefit you, as Mark's just outlined, it'll make it much better value for you. It'll also get more eyes onto this particular map. And then Mark will be in the background doing all these jiggery-pokery, making sure that it's marketed to the hilt as
1: well. Could I just say one more thing? Of course you can. What it will do as well is it will help promote the Book Direct movement. Now, I know that there is a load of really cool websites out there that are doing this, but what it just adds to is just adds to the conversation. And I think the really important thing with, with hashtag Book Direct or the Book Direct movement is that it works because when people talk about it. Now, Ever since I released this a couple of weeks ago, it's amazing how many other maps and things have just come out the woodwork because people are sort of realizing that it's been talked about a lot. Um, in some worlds and some communities, I'm not gonna name names, my name's a bit mud at the moment because they uh, don't like that I am charging to be on a map like this because they've got these, these free maps. But what I will say is that by doing this, by having something like this and by talking about it a lot, specifically from a bigger mouth as mine, is it gets people talking about book direct. And The more people that we can do in so, then the better. And that, and that is really like going back to, what I mentioned about my big ambition goal, my big 20 year goal is that I want to help a million people in, in 20 years, get a better understanding of marketing, increase their direct bookings and not have the reliance on the OTAs, whatever this environment and landscape looks like in 20 years time i want to help a million people and so by doing something like this by having the hospitality community by having the the website business i do the booster academy it just all goes towards that that big that big big goal
0: that is a whopping great goal but a very worthy one as well and this just fits in perfectly with the book direct map so thank you for sharing that Thank you very much, Mark, for spending so much time with us today, giving great value for listeners, especially people who have just got going. They don't really know where to get started in their own marketing. You've given them some really clear steps. So thank you for that. And before we go to close, one final question. Where do you see the future of the short-stay industry headed with your 20-year plan ahead of you?
1: What what are you
0: thinking
1: Well, what what I'm thinking and what I'm seeing and what I'm noticing just from the conversations that I am having with other people in the industry is really take watch at people in property, property investors buying up bed and breakfasts over the course of the next five or 10 years and transforming bed and breakfasts as we know it into smart hotels or smart bed and breakfasts Uh, because I see a lot of people paying attention to bed and breakfasts and actually buying them up at the moment. It's kind of an underground thing at the present moment in time, but I think that will become more common over the next one to five years. And I think that um, over the next few years, that would be what you will notice. So pay attention to that. Um, If you're a bed and breakfast that is looking to be bought out, start looking at property investors because they are looking specifically in your areas. That would just be my, my advice and something to look out for
0: interesting very interesting thank you again for sharing your insight your knowledge today and i will look forward to hopefully seeing you in the not too distant future and just as a reminder it's the bookdirectmap.com or boostly.co.uk forward slash book direct map and from there you can get in touch with mark simpson directly from Boostley. great stuff thanks very much for coming to chat today mark bye for now
1: bye thank you so much for having me
0: thank you so much for listening to the short stay podcast find us online at shortstay.show where you can learn more and get involved we'll see you there